have been talking about how that you and I, because of our gracious Heavenly Father, because our Lord Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pain, how that we can walk free from sickness and disease and pain. And we want to talk about that more. Boy, weren't you thankful for worship today? Yes. Powerful songs, right? Do you know most churches, large churches, they do new songs, but they don't do them at the rate that our church does. So that's a real testimony. So I came to worship practice Thursday night, and this was a worship practice that was designed to learn three new songs for the women's conference that's going to take place in the future. And then by the time that worship practice was over, I walked up to everybody and I said, you know, you guys all love me. Uh, I'm going to stretch you today and we're going to do all of them Sunday. And they kind of looked at me and then they said, okay, we, we can do that. You know, aren't you grateful? What an anointing. I could tell you this. One of the glorious things about us being at the end of the church age I'm telling you, you know, when, I, when, you, when you study worship, worship, we, we connect with heaven in a big way. You are going to be led by the Spirit of God into a depth of worship that you've never even dreamed of. I believe as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, closer to the end of this church age, we are going to experience worship in a powerful way. And guys... Worship is a very much a key that, that literally infuses the word of God inside of you. When in worship you declare his word, it's amazing how that causes all the word that you've been walking in to dwell in you richly. So I want to encourage yourself to grow in this area. Don't let Sunday morning be the only time you worship, right? Don't let that happen. You... You learn how to worship, and you, you ask the Lord to help and draw you into this, because I'm telling you, there's a hunger inside of each of you that is amazing. There's no limit to that hunger, how you hunger and thirst after your Heavenly Father, after your Lord Jesus, after the mighty Holy Spirit, and it changes everything. Now, Pastor, I thought you were talking about how to walk free from sickness, disease, and pain. That's exactly a big thing. As we're going to see, and you know, right now, this is week two, we're talking about literally how to receive your healing. And as we talk about this, although we're focusing on how to receive your healing, these principles are how you receive everything from God. So whatever your need is, if it's financial, what, whatever, if freedom from depression, anxiety, fear, laying hold of any of the blessing of God, believing God for your family, these principles work in every arena. So today I'm real excited and we're gonna pray for utterance here because there's, there's a path that I wanna take you down that I know the Lord's been taking me down and I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. The Lord told me that, that he was gonna open up things to people. God wants to eradicate sickness and disease from our church eradicate it we are seeing sickness and disease in the earth at an unprecedented rate i mean it's amazing how that is growing that tells me that this world is ripe for a healing revival because now there's this thing that's growing all over the world where it's called like sudden death syndrome people are dying and they can't figure out why well guys we know why right? Jesus called all sickness and all disease satanic oppression. Oh, it has different outward symptoms, but the root of it all is Satan himself. It's sin, it's death, and we've been redeemed from it, and we will learn how to walk in it for ourselves and how to minister healing to others. Jesus ministered healing seven different ways, when he was on the earth. We'll probably talk about that, maybe. I don't know, this, I could go on forever with this. Uh, we're gonna talk about how to understand how healing works. But right now, I wanna talk about how to receive your healing. We talked about it a little bit last week. Go back and outline these messages. 
Remember, we said this, the healing ministry of Jesus. In the four Gospels, there are showcased 19 individual cases of healing. 19 specific people. This doesn't include, and power went out of him and healed all their sick. Not that. This is the woman with the issue of blood, the nobleman's son, Jairus' daughter. You know, these, these instances. Knowing God within these 19, this gives us the full counsel of God on how to receive and understand healing in every scenario. 11 of those 19, we said this last week, literally Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. It actually says that the person's faith was the determining factor of their healing. Six, six more, which would be 17 out of 19, six more, it didn't specifically say your faith made you whole, but you can specifically see in the story without a shadow of a doubt that the person's faith was the determining factor. So 17 out of 19 cases, specifically the person's faith was the determining factor. There were only two of the 19 where it was a gift of healing, a working of a miracle, a gift of special faith. In other words, only two of the 19 were healed by a, a gift of the Spirit apart from the person's faith. Only two. But there's never a case where Jesus, somebody came to Jesus to be healed that Jesus said, it's not my will. There's not one. So that, that we got to eradicate that from our vocabulary. If you're facing sickness and disease here, this is not a gray area thing, right? I, I know that, I know some, some try to make it a gray area, but there is no gray area. There's only scriptures about how he's always a healer. I mean, you even see that Jesus is called to the Jewish people, but yet a person's faith moves him beyond that. It's amazing. And so how much more you as a child of God, you have personally been redeemed from the curse of all sickness and disease, right? So healing today, people receive their healing through their own faith. What do I mean by that? It's the faith of God which comes by hearing his word, right? People receive healing as they gain understanding of what the word of God says on healing, right? So we must gain understanding of these things. This is why people in Jesus' earthly ministry, they came to hear him and be healed. So let's turn to 3 John. We're going to read this scripture again. We, we read it last week. 3 John it only has one chapter, so we're going to start in verse 2. John said this, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. This word health means to have good health, physical, not spiritual. If you're born again, you're as healthy as you'll ever be. There is no such thing as spiritual healing. Okay. If you ever hear somebody say, hey, I'm, all, I'm into this thing about spiritual healing, there is no such thing. You're either dead spiritually, if you're born again, you are whole. Your spirit was not healed. The old one was removed and a new one was put in you, okay? This is talking about physical healing. Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Here's the kicker. Even as your soul prospers, your mind, your will, and your emotion even as your soul prospers. This is why we must gain understanding of what the word says on healing so that we can lay hold of these things. We must renew our mind. See, the world will tell you as you get older, things wear out. God will tell you healing is provided for your body to keep you whole and strong all the days of your life. Until you come to the end of your course and you, you, know, you know you're fully satisfied and then you just go home. How do you do that? By faith. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. Right? 
I'm just believing you to help me step out of my body right now. Right? What a way to die. Why'd you die? Well, my heart stopped. Why did it stop? Because I left. That's God's will for your life. Not for just, it's for anybody. Because he does it for everybody, okay? It says here, now you're going to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So, pastor, what does it mean for your soul to prosper? I'm so glad you asked. Let's keep reading. Because now it's going to tell us in verse 3 and 4. He says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Now when we read that, the truth that is in you, you could take that word truth out and put word in, word in there, the word of God in there, because the word of God is truth. What John is saying is, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and they testified of the word that is in you. So to prosper in your soul, you must have the word of God in you. Verse 4, or I'm, the rest of verse 3, even as you walk in the truth, or even as you walk in the word. How do you prosper in your soul? You must have the word of God in you, and you must walk in the word. How do you do that? By being a doer of the word of God. As you do that, as you grow, you will prosper and be in health. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So that means no matter what your past is, the blessing of Abraham will prosper you financially and you could walk in the very prosperity of God, but it's going to be in relation to you having the word of God in relation to healing or relation to prosperity and you walking and being a doer of the word in, in relation to that. In relation to healing, it's the same thing. You need to gain understanding. Man, we're, we are so grateful here because you don't hear nonsense from this pulpit. You hear the word of God. It's simple. It's very simple. God wants you well. If you're sick, he wants you well. If you have weakness in a joint, a deterioration in a joint, if you have cancer, if you have arthritis, diabetes, I don't care what it is, he's already bore it so you don't have to. And when you gain understanding and go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't have to be sick anymore. Right? Because he bore it. And if he bore it, I don't have to. So now it says, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. So again, prospering in your soul is having the word of God living in you. And then you walking in the word as you are a doer of the word. So let's look at a couple stories real quick. Let's go, let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. And we're not going to take a ton of time. I just want to read these stories, highlight a few things, because I want you to see the principles. So this is in Mark chapter 5. The woman with the issue of blood story, it's in three of the four Gospels, but we're just going to predominantly look at Mark. I might jump over uh, to another one. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Let's, and it, it'll go through about verse 34. It says this, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So you ladies, if you ever have known somebody or have ever dealt with that, where you're hemorrhaging, man, that wipes you out. That, that's a, that's a, a mess. I mean, it, it, it wipes you out. You're weak. You don't feel good. And sometimes it'll get a little better, and then boom, it comes back. This is called a plague. The Greek word is mastigos. You know where they get the term mastigos from in the Greek language? It's, it's a term that what they would do is they would bring a person in and torture them, and beat them to the point of death, and then they would take them into a medical facility and clean up their wounds and, and help them get all better, and right when they were all better, they'd grab them out of, that, out of that, that hospital room, take them back, and beat them to the point of death again. And they would do this over and over and over. And that's the way this issue of blood was. It would, it would come on this lady... 
She was considered unclean. She had no legal right. She could not go in public anymore, right? She was, she literally, it was illegal. She could be stoned to be in public, right? Because she was considered unclean according to the law. So now this lady lived this way for 12 years, 12 years. Let's keep reading with this. She had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. Now, in the King James, she suffered many things. That doesn't mean these doctors were evil. No, no, they were trying to help her. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's do this. So this is a woman who was doing everything she can do in the natural to get better. And, it, and, it, and she spent everything that she had. But she was growing worse. When she had heard, verse 27, of Jesus. When she had heard. Again, this is the Greek word, akuo. It literally means when she had heard. When she heard, when she gave attention. She heard something that instantly came to the forefront of her life. She heard that there was a man, Jesus Christ, who was going about and healing people. Virtue and power was going out of him and healing people. No doubt she knew the Old Testament scripture that when Messiah would come, he would have healing in his wings. I should have brought the prayer shawl that I got from Israel here. If you look at a prayer shawl, a rabbi would wear a prayer shawl. And, and when he would pray, he would pull it over his head and he would stand there and pray, right? And they bob like this, right? But when he, would, when he wasn't praying, he would pull it back over, over his shoulders, and it would look like he had wings. And on this prayer shawl, there's tassels. And, and the Bible said when Messiah would come, he would have healing in his wings. So she wasn't crawling on the ground trying to touch the hem of his garment, she was trying to touch one of the tassels on his prayer shawl, okay? So that's what it's talking about. No doubt she heard this. She, she, akuo means she heard something and, and she, compre, she was comprehending it and she was understanding it. Whoa, wait a minute. This man of God, this rabbi is the Messiah and he has healing, Right? When she heard of Jesus, she made a decision to leave her home. Now, if you know the story, Jesus, Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, comes up to Jesus and he says, listen, my little girl's about to die. Can you come and heal her? Right? If you come, I believe, Jesus, just come to my house, you can heal her. So Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, where this woman would have attended could have been the guy who literally pronounced her unclean. Which meant if she came and he saw her, he could have her stoned right on the spot. So she's sitting in her house and she hears Jesus is in town and she's like, this is my answer. If I could just touch the hem of his garment... I shall be whole. Whole. Whole is a lot more than just healed. Right? Wait, just, just wait till you talk to this woman in heaven, the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Boy, could you imagine? I wonder if it actually, she ended up getting sevenfold all of that money and all of that stuff back. Right? She was made whole. So look at this. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. So think about it. She hears Jesus is here. She's all excited. He's my answer. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. But then what happens? She opens her door and she's walking and all of a sudden there is a multitude of people around him. She's a little Jewish lady. You're right. Have you ever, if you've ever been to Israel and you get or, or go to any foreign place, pretty aggressive right i mean people because they grow up they have to fight for everything in america everybody feels like we have rights right so you have people that could actually be polite but 
you, you go overseas, I mean, if you're in Jerusalem, I mean, you're just like, you, you're ducking and weaving, right? And so she is trying to press behind. So hurdle, first of all, it's like, wow. She looks, I bet the thought hit her, how am I ever gonna get to him? But it didn't cause her to give up. She came in the press. She's pushing people, she's moving, she's getting through. You gotta understand just because you hear doesn't mean it's just going to fall. There, Satan will make sure there's hurdles, right? Came in the press behind and touched his garment. Why did she do this? For she said, we're going to learn, it, we're going to learn that continually watering the word by speaking it is what keeps it in your heart and keeps the enemy from taking it away. She continually watered the word that she heard by what she said. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall, in the Greek that's very strong, I shall be whole. In other words, here's the principle. When she heard something, she said something. If people, if you're believing God for healing or anything and you're not speaking it, you didn't hear it. Because when you hear it, and it goes off, and you comprehend, and you understand, revelation, knowledge, light from that word comes, you'll say something. Right? So you got to pick that up. Verse 29, and straightway, or immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She actually could feel, boom, it's, I'm, I'm healed. Notice, she didn't feel something until she said something. She didn't say anything until she heard something. Do you see the progression? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, that word means power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now he's in this group of people, and people are coming to touch him. But in this story, everybody else was coming, touching him, hoping to get something, but not believing to get something. Because if they were believing as they were thronging him, guess what? There would have been people getting healed all over the place. Right? He says, who touched me? And he looked round about to see her. So obviously there was a word of knowledge uh, in, in Jesus' life. The Holy Spirit told him it's a woman. So he, he, he looked around. He's looking for her. He's looking for the woman who touched him. Now think about this woman. She touches him, and, and she's un, she knows she's unclean. Right? So she's putting her life on the line here. And then she knows, man, I'm healed, but she's not really wanting to come forward with this stuff, right? So look at this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him. And in other, other passages, she knew that Jesus was going to find out who she was because she obviously was right around him. And he's looking to see who, who it is, what woman it is that, that did that. So she came, and, and she's a woman, so she, what did she do? She told him all the truth. What does that mean? She let him know, 12 years ago, this started, and then I did this, and then I did this, and, right? You, you wives know that. Now, it's a little flipped in our house. It's really interesting. Most, in most homes, right, you go home, and your wife might say, hey, how was your day? It was good. That's what a guy does. Yeah, it was good. Honey, how was your day? Well, first I got up and, you know, I brushed my teeth. I kind of like that new toothpaste and, right? Telling him all the truth. That's what she did. And he said to her, daughter, look at this, your faith, not your faith has made you healed. Your faith has made you whole. In other words, the woman's faith activated the healing power of God that healed her body. In the same way 
that your faith, which comes by hearing the word of God, as you speak it and walk in it, will activate the power of God to bring healing into your body. Okay? He said, go in peace and be whole of your plague. So now let's look at another story real quick. The second miracle that Jesus did. Let's look at the nobleman's son. John chapter 4, verse 46. Let's, let's look at this real quick. The nobleman's son was healed. So here's a guy. Well, I'll just read the story. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, so this was an actual guy. In the Amplified Classic, it brings out what a nobleman is. It's a ro- he was a royal official. He was a man of wealth and influence. Okay, A certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Capernaum would have been about 15 to 20 miles away from here. So this man, it was an overnight journey. This man journeyed all night to come when he heard Jesus was in this place. Okay? When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him. See, he heard that Jesus, where he was, where he came out of uh, Judea to Galilee. If you read the story, Jesus healed multitudes of people so no doubt this man whose son is about to die hears of Jesus and he's like I can't wait I've got to go to him and get him to come to my house so he can heal my son I don't have a lot of time I can't wait till he comes home because Jesus lived in Capernaum right I know people say Jesus didn't have a house which would have been impossible but you know he had a house it was in Capernaum right? It says that he dwelt in Capernaum. Just look at the Greek word, to permanently dwell. It was his house, right? I mean, his, his dad was a carpenter. I mean, I use that term loosely. As we looked at Christmas, he was a very high-end, oversaw incredible things. Jesus probably had a really nice house, right? They, they, when they tore up the roof and put the guy down through, that was Jesus's house. Notice it didn't bother Jesus, because he's about his father's business, right? So when he heard of Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought, he requested him that he should come down and heal his son. In this story, here's a nobleman. He's a royal official. He's a man of wealth and influence. He's used to telling people he's a leader. He's used to just telling people what to do. So now he's telling Jesus how he's going to heal his son, right? Don't we do that now? Jesus, I want this, and I want it right now, and this is how I want it. I want you to bless me financially. But you got to sow. Oh, no, 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 don't. Well, time out. I, I, want, I need money. So don't talk to me about sowing money, right? I, I need you to bless me, get me out of this mess right now, Right? Well, he's trying to tell Jesus how to heal his son. Why? He was at the point of death. I mean, you could see why, right? He's pretty desperate. Verse 48, then said Jesus unto him. Could you imagine? Jesus, please come. My son's about to die. Can you come and heal him? Jesus' response was, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's kind of rude, right, you would think? But again, what is Jesus doing? He's trying to get this man to really get past all the how to just simply believe his word. In the same way, you're going to have to get past the how. Because Satan's always going to talk to you about how. And, 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 and 18 reasons why you said the wrong thing or did a wrong thing or you caused this mess and this is just not going to work for you now. you got to get past all that to just go, what does the word say? And then believe it and receive it. And that's what Jesus is trying to get this guy to do, right? See, faith isn't faith until it moves ahead with no physical proof. 
Does that make sense? So as an example of this, we check our bodies to see if we're healed. Well, pastor, of course we do. No, no, no. Healing does not originate from your body. Therefore, don't check your body. Healing originates from God's word. So if you want to know if you're healed, look to his word. Oh, he sent his word and healed me. Does that make sense? Forget about the body thing. That's just a byproduct of it all. So this is, see, faith isn't faith until you're moving ahead with no physical evidence that this is going to work. And that's what's tripping so many people up. I just got to see myself getting a little better to think it's working. No. No, you got to get to the point where it's working because God says it's working. Right? Verse 49. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, Jesus says this to him. He responds, Sir, come down ere, that word in the Greek, or that's King James, but really what it is, come down before my child die. Jesus, okay, yeah, whatever about the signs and wonders. Listen, I need you to come to my house before my son dies, right? Then this is what happens to every one of us in every faith battle. You will come to a place where you must decide, am I going to believe his word or am I not? Because Jesus brings him right to the place. Look at what he says. Jesus said to him, he responds to him now. So if they're in a tennis match, nobleman comes to Jesus, hits the ball. Come to my house and heal my son. Jesus hits it back. Unless you see signs and miracles, you won't believe anything. Nobleman hits it back. So, right, what does he say? Come down, you got to come down and heal my son. Now Jesus is like, I'm done playing games with you. Look at what he says. That was a pretty good sound. (laughs) Go your way. So Jesus just hits it back and says, go your way. Your son lives. If you wanted to finish that statement, you could go, so, what are you going to do? What are you going to believe? I just gave you the word. Go your way, your son lives. Now, think about that. Look at this nobleman. I have so much respect for this guy. See, faith comes by hearing God's word. Why would God say, go your way, your son lives? Well, we know from scripture, he said that because he heard his father say that. So that's what his father wanted him to say. So the word of God to this man was, go your way, your son lives. Faith had to be birthed. I mean, think about that. An entire change. I'm not going to your house. Go your way. Your son lives. Look at this. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. The Amplified Classic of this verse says it this way. Jesus answered him, Go in peace, your son will live. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said and started home. Now he's not going to walk three blocks, 15 to 20 miles, overnight journey. Could you imagine, could you imagine the enemy sitting on his shoulder? Well, you failed. Jesus isn't coming. When you get home, You're going to see them. When they see you, they're going to come running. They're going to come telling you, oh, master, we're so sorry. Your son's dead. He probably had pictures of his funeral, right? Wow, I'm never going to see my son again. All these thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. You know, have you ever believed God for something? Laying in your bed at night when your body's aching? Actually, it's aching more after you prayed. Because Satan's going, look at your body, look at your body, look at your body. Let it tell you it's not working. But are you going to believe? Wow, God told me he sent his word and healed me. God told me Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. If I want to look to my healing, I look to the word. Does that make sense? So verse 51, and as he was now going down, His servants met him. Could you imagine? His servants are walking up. See, he's in faith. So what was he doing? 
He's taken thoughts captive. No, no. Nope. I have heard of this man. Whatever he says comes to pass. He's taken thoughts captive. He sees his servants. Thought hits him. They're coming to tell you your son is dead. No, my son lives. Do you see that? He, he would have had to answer all of that stuff for a day's journey. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. And look at what he did. Then inquired he of them the hour when his son began to amend. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, your son lives. And himself believed, in other words, he believed that Jesus was the Messiah and his whole house. Isn't that amazing? The moment he realized, the moment that Jesus spoke the word, the fever left. You got to get this. The moment that you realize that every sickness, every disease, every weakness, every whatever physically that happens to you was healed 2,000 years ago, right? When you realize that, it breaks the power of that. So when you pray, Father, I thank you that you've redeemed me from the curse of all sickness and disease. And right now, I believe that I receive my healing. Inside of you, you know that there is power that just broke that spiritual root. I believe I receive my healing. I seize hold of it, and I shall have it in my body. You will see it. But I know the spiritual root is already broken. So there's nothing for me to do now but to just thank him. Right? And the fight of faith is to stay at rest. So now let's talk about, let's talk about some how. Okay? Go to Proverbs chapter 4. How do you receive from God? I love Proverbs chapter 4 because it gives you a prescription on how to take the word of God in order to receive the medicine, the healing power of the word and to receive life. And this will work for everything. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words. In other words, number one, I've got to make a decision where this is number one. I'm not looking to my body. I'm not looking to circumstances. I am looking to the word to see if I'm healed. I'm looking to the word. I give the word first place. In other words, I say, Father, your word is my final authority. That's it. Simple. See, guys, this is, why it makes, this is why it's so complicated to people because they're not doing that. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Give my word, in other words, your undivided attention. In other words, you need to listen to and recognize the reality of the truth of God's word and then take action based upon that word. I recognize this is the final authority in this situation, and now this is how I'm going to act. Period. Verse 21, let them, in other words, my words, not depart from your eyes. So that means I refuse to see God in any other way but what he says. I refuse to see my situation any other way except what the word says. I'm never going to let the word depart from my eyes. Keep them or keep my words in the midst or in the center of your heart. Right? Now remember, this is the Hebrew word now. This is not cardia. This is, this is the Hebrew word. Labab. 
It literally means the inner man, the center, and it means the mind. So what do we mean by that? How do you keep the word? You keep the word. You meditate in the word in your heart, and it renews your mind. So don't think of it as separate. It's one. you got to keep the word in the midst of your heart, which means it's, it's in your heart, and it's renewing your mind. It's in your heart and it's in your mind. It's an integrated unit. Why do I do that? Verse 22, for they, my words, are life unto those that find them. This, words, this word find means I attain them by being in motion. It, doesn't, it, it just doesn't mean that I sit and do nothing. Nope, I attain I find the word of God because I grab hold of a promise and I say it over and over and over and over and over until that word opens up in my heart and then all of a sudden, man, now it's in abundance in my heart. So I'm speaking the word of God, in other words, to get it in my heart. And then once it's in my heart, I'm speaking the word because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will just speak. So in other words, I never let it depart from my mouth. For they are life unto those that find them, and health, this Hebrew word means a medicine, a cure, and it's healing to all your flesh. Listen, this is why we as Christians, as you have an unredeemed body in this earth, listen, there could be things going on inside of you that no doctor has even seen yet. So aren't you grateful? You don't have to know. You could literally have the healing power of God literally coming out of your spirit and with that same Kratos power that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead with, he's quickening, he's healing, restoring to your health, and making whole your mortal body, every cell. I mean, isn't it going to be great to realize in heaven, wow, I did have cancer, but I never knew it. Right? That's better than even knowing it and have to, right? Let it, we have to, God is telling us, this is important. You are to walk strong. You have to be strong to serve him and to be light in this world. Right? And he's telling us how to do it. Health to all their flesh. So in other words, the God of heaven who created you, he's saying life, according to his word, is when we incline our ears and eyes to his word and put his word in our heart. That's life. Life is not laying on a beach. I mean, it's fun. That's great. Life's not on a boat. Life's not on when you go on vacation. Gosh, I've seen some beautiful things around the world. No, no, that's really not life. Life. Jesus came to give you life, the quality and essence of life that God has. You could be, you could be at the most beautiful place on the planet, with not, at, the, at the most plush resort, whatever, and be miserable. But if you put your eyes and your ears on his word, and you get his word in your heart, now you're walking in life everywhere. Right? This is huge. Let's keep going. Verse 23. Keep, this word means to guard your heart. Now this is a Hebrew word, heart. It's lab. It comes from that other word, labab, that we just talked about. It comes out of it. It still means the inner man and the mind. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence. What do I mean by that? I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to guard the word that's in my heart. How do I do that? By speaking his word. I'm going to guard the word that's in my mind by speaking his word so that now his word is always in abundance in my heart and it is always constantly, there's a constant revelation knowledge He's speaking his word to my mind. It's renewing my mind. It's renovating my thinking. Keep your heart with all diligence. So you're going to have to be diligent. What is diligence? Doing what needs to be done, whether you feel like it or not. For out of it, out of your heart, 
right? Out of your heart, mind, flow the issues. This Hebrew word means the boundaries of life. See, the Lord made your heart, your inner man, is the driving force behind your actions. You must protect, guard, and maintain your heart. Because no one can consistently act contrary to their heart. You could fake it a little bit, but you're eventually going to know if you're in faith or not. Right? So when, you, when you're alone... And all of a sudden, man, nobody's around. And you just came out of church and you know, you're like, yeah, I'm speaking the word, I'm speaking the word, I'm, spe I'm in faith, I'm in faith. And then you walk and you bend over and man, that thing hits your body and you finally just take whatever's in your hand and throw it across the room and go, I'm sick of this. I've been believing God for eight months. I've been believing God for five years. No, you haven't. Right? Now, if you do that, this is what you need to do. Time out. Father, I curse those words that I just spoke. I don't believe those words. Right? So I curse them. No weapon formed against me will prosper, your word says. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, my own tongue just rose up against me in judgment. I curse those words. I repent of that nonsense. I know it's written, it's written, it's written. And then you just go back and start meditating more. Right? Verse 24. Keep going with this. Put away from you a froward mouth. This is a mouth that speaks without integrity. What does that mean? Have you ever just said stuff? Man, my back is killing me. Right? Just You say stuff without thinking. That's what a froward mouth is. You're saying things without thinking about what you're saying. In other words, you're speaking without putting your speech, sifting it through the word. You got to put away from you a froward mouth. Notice you have the power. See, we're going to get into this. It says when Jesus is on the earth, this is one of those really misunderstood verses. It says they came to him to hear him because he spoke as one having authority. But if you read the scripture and you break it down, Jesus was teaching that men had authority. He wasn't talking about him having authority. See, you got to understand, you can put, put this away. You can make a decision to say, I'm not talking that nonsense anymore. And perverse lips put far from you. What is a perverse lip? That's a contrary lip. Now you've gone from just saying stuff without thinking, but now you're saying something contrary. Yeah, you know what? I just don't believe in that healing stuff. You start, or, or here's the thing. I do believe in that healing stuff, but I walk around and I talk about how sick I am. Well, time out. You're speaking contrary. Because you're saying you're sick when God says you're healed. You're saying you're weak when God says you're strong. Yeah, but pastor, I just, I just need to be real. That means you got to finish the statement, right? Real what? Carnal, right? Real flesh ruled. No life in it. Verse 25. Now it says, let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Don't be distracted. Boy, that was written to us right? Because we're distracted. We could learn all about whatever we're facing physically online. We can go blind reading what's online about our, right? And if you read enough, you'll see, wow, if you, if you, if you drink coffee, you're going to grow three heads and eight arms and die at 25. Then you'll read another article. If you drink, if you drink eight cups of coffee a day, you're going to live 900 years, right? Carbs, man. If you eat carbs, you're going to die, Another article, if you eat, you need to eat carbs because, but you could get so distracted. You hear about this supplement and this chiropractor and, and, all, and you get all excited because you go to this person and you feel a little better and instantly now you're looking at your body to see if the word of God is working and Satan just laughs. 
Oh, yeah, you're going to feel really good for a few days. And then, all of a sudden, it's just not going to keep going. But, oh, child of God, if you'll look to the word, it'll never stop until it's in your body. Right? We're going to talk about that. Because, you know, in Jesus' ministry, there's not any examples of people. There's no stories where it says, you know, and they waited five years. And then they got healed. But we're seeing that now. So we got to talk about that. Because the word has an answer for that. You'll have to come back to hear that one. I'm running out of time. Ponder, verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Proverbs 4.26. Ponder. This means prepare, make, weigh out, guard, and watch carefully the path of your feet. In other words, watch where you're walking. If you're believing God for healing, you don't need to be around people that think that's crazy. You better ponder. When you get a diagnosis, you better ponder who you're going to tell and who you're not going to tell. Okay? And let all your ways be established. You let all of them be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Don't look, for the, don't look for the riches and honor and the long, healthy life. Don't turn to the right hand or to the left. You remove your foot from evil. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay? Let's, let's fill in another one. So we've got put the word first, incline your ear to it, keep it ever before your eyes. Now let's look at a picture. Go to Joshua 1.8 real quick. Joshua 1.8. Now this is another passage of scripture that tells us exactly how to lay hold of things gosh this is so thrilling to me this is one of those things man you could listen to this a hundred times and it'll thrill your heart it says joshua 1 8 this book of the law to a new testament believer we hear it this way or read it this way the word of god shall not depart out of your mouth so now i put it first place I give it my undivided attention. I never let it be removed from my eyes, and I never let the word depart out of my mouth. That means I never stop speaking the word. If you couldn't do this, this would be unfair. I'm here to tell you today, you've been made to do this. The Holy Spirit even empowers you to live like this. God's word is always to be in your mouth. The Knox translation, I love this. I always mention this when I read this scripture. It literally says, let God's word govern your utterance. It says, now how do you do that? But you shall meditate, say over and over to yourself. Meditate in the word of God day and night that you may observe to do. That means that you may observe yourself doing Right? All that is written therein. So you never let it depart out of your mouth. And that, when you say the word over and over, what will happen is on the inside of you, you will start observing yourself doing what the word says that you're to do. Most Christians are not walking in this because they're just not taking the time. And in relation to sickness and disease, don't play with it. Don't, don't let a medication kind of manage it. No, get it out of your body. Because remember, all sickness, all disease, that's moving you towards physical death. And God needs you on the planet, walking out all your days, yielding all your fruit. Right? That you may observe to do according to all that is written... For then, then what? After you never let the word of God depart out of your mouth because you meditate in it day and night, right? So now you're observing yourself doing the word. You see yourself well on the inside. You see this on the inside of you. It says at that point, now you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Wow. You shall make your way prosperous. 
This word shall make literally means to break forth, to prosper, to succeed. It literally gives you a picture of the Holy Spirit's effect on a person that's making them powerful. In other words, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit now to make your way prosperous. Meditating in God's word is saying to yourself what God's word says. And notice the connection to meditating to what you say. Right? We meditate in the word because meditation is of the heart. Faith is of the heart. It originates in the heart. You must meditate on God's word. Why? So that you are operating out of what you believe from his word instead of what you see, feel in this natural realm. You believe with your heart and speak with your mouth. This is how you act on what you believe. See, because God's word is transformative. It brings long-lasting transformation. The more you walk in this, the more transformation happens. The word of God is cumulative. It has a cumulative effect on your spirit. I love that. The more you hear, the more you speak, the more faith is deposited in your heart and it just gets stronger and greater and greater and greater. And it moves you to where you're fully persuaded and it will eclipse circumstances and pain. So let's look at another scripture. Psalm 119, verse 130. Look at this one. The entrance, that word means the opening of thy words gives light. Now this is very important. Boy, I wish I could get to the parable of the sower today, but we're not going to get there. The entrance or the opening of God's word gives light. It gives understanding. This word understanding means perception, causes you to see and know things, and discernment unto the simple. What we're talking about here is revelation knowledge from God's word. Revelation knowledge from God's word. It changes our thinking and it actually inspires us to believe. See, God's word enters our heart as we speak it and as soon as light comes, something happens in you that causes you, energizes you, empowers you to act. The doer of the word is not doing it in his own strength. Light came. What caused that woman with the issue of blood to put her life on the line? She had light. What caused the nobleman's son to go, okay, Jesus, thank you. That's good enough for me. She had, he had light. A lot of Christians are just playing faith. And they think because they could quote a healing scripture, they're going to be healed. No, 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 no. No, faith receives, not the ability to quote something, right? I mean, it cracks me up in worship. Do you know I will shut my eyes and know all the words to a song that I've never sung? I, I asked the Lord that one time. I'm like, because if I, if I get back in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got to look at that screen. But it's like, oh, no, I, I, I gave that song to one of my children on the earth, and you're one with them. So that, that was for me, so it just goes off in your spirit. This is so important that we know this. There's a place in every faith battle where light comes, and it empowers you to speak from your heart the word of God and to act and to not be moved. Light. We must walk under the light of the word of God. The woman with the issue of blood already had the light of the word when she went to Jesus. Does that help you a little bit? Now, the icing on the cake, I, I was looking at all these pages of notes and I'm like, oh, I wish I could go into the parable of the sower because it would make so much sense but, you know, then I realize, oh, they will come back next week. So, 
But I, I, each week you're going to get an equipping. This is helping you to eradicate sickness and disease. It's helping you minister to the sick. And it's going to help you lay hold of all the blessing of God as you walk by the faith of God. Okay, so I, I, I just pray that this will help you a little bit.